It might not surprise you, but when I was younger, I played a lot of video games. It would be a couple nights a week where I was playing something like Gary's Mod, Unreal Tournament, or World of Warcraft. Those nights were some of my favorite times playing around with my friends, but every so often one of them would be stained by some other people that would end up playing against us. It seemed like no matter what we did in those matches, we were just exceptionally bad. Have you ever had a game like that? Where you felt like no matter how you switched things up, the odds were just stacked up against you. Where it felt like no matter what you tried, you just kept losing. What if I told you that sometimes it wasn't just you? I mean, I can't say for sure that you're not just bad at games, but what I can say is that there's an entire economy built around giving other players the ability to effectively guarantee a win. I'm talking about game cheats. Today, I want to talk a little bit about what that looks like from the perspective of the people that actually create game cheats. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the history and the status of game cheats and the economy around it. And then I've got creator and community member Ryan, or as you might know him, totally not a hacksaw, on to talk about his experiences actually developing game cheats. So I'm John Cordes, and today, get ready to find out the real reason why you don't actually suck at video games, because we're going to explain what the shell is going on in the world of game cheats. Alright, so we have you, Ryan, on the podcast today, but I think a lot of people know you more as the name Totally Not a Hexer. I've seen you on Instagram, seen you in a couple different discords, and one of the things that you kind of came out of the woodwork on and showed me a little bit into was game cheat development, something that I've never really had a lot of experience in, but I see it seems like you've at least got a good feel for making the cheats and having a foot in this process. So I was hoping you would tell us a little bit about that story, how you got to that point, how you got started, and what exactly you did developing game cheats. Right. So there was a um, pretty big process that went behind me getting into it. Um, basically, it started out when I was in uh, a bit younger and a friend had roped me into the idea of reselling game cheats. And we would basically resell game cheats that other people made. Um, so this really gets you in a market and you can make money and it gets you used to it. Um, eventually, over time, I got hired or quote-unquote hired as a contributor to a, a game cheat development team. Uh, they, they developed cheats for Call of Duty at the time, and they would make it out of C++. And I kind of just eased my way into programming with them and learned from there. So what do you say reusing the game cheats? Are you talking about taking active game cheats and just cloning and making a new version of it? Or is it a one-for-one -one copy of the original? So most of the times when it comes to reselling um, game sheets, what I mean by that is uh, taking a game sheet developed by someone and kind of pasting the same advertisement over multiple platforms, getting people to buy that sheet that's already being sold. Because it would kind of work in a strain where there's a bunch of resellers and you have individual groups of people that are willing to um, sell that game sheet multiple times throughout their own platforms. So it's kind of like one giant ring of just selling. So one of the major things that also did happen frequently, which I came across earlier into it, was that 
um, on the topic of reusing game sheets, some people would do that. They would copy and paste code from uh, platforms like GitHub, and they would throw it into their own sheet and resell it, basically copywriting um, or plagiarizing code and claiming it as their own. Okay, so these are, it's basically cheating on someone else's test, change it up slightly, put it out there again, and say it's something brand new. Yeah, th there was there was a lot of that, yeah. And Ben, you said you kind of wormed your way in a little bit to getting into the full Call of Duty. What kind of process was that? How did they, did they just notice you for this and be like, hey, do you want to work for us? How do you get invited to making game cheats on a scale that's completely different than what you were doing before? Well, the friend that I met had a lot of ties in, in and out of the community with a lot of people. And he's been doing this practically his entire life because his, his family was into hacking cybersecurity and stuff like that. And he eased his way into the black hat world by making um, cheats and, and reselling them. So through him, I got noticed by other people when I was reselling their game sheets. And it kind of went through a strain of where I would help make them later on. So I started small and then I would work up bigger with, um, I guess you can say larger teams and different sets of people. So there are full-on teams working here. It's not just one small group. There's entire dedicated teams and almost an infrastructure to this process. Yeah, actually, I've met... Um, now, I know cheat developers that do develop cheats on their own. That's pretty common. And then you do have small three-people teams. But the higher-end cheats are more likely to be developed by teams of people. Um, so one time, I knew this one group of people that are, I didn't necessarily work with, but I was affiliated with, and they stored their code on a private uh, GitHub repository. And you would see, I think it was about 19 contributors dedicated to just that code. So there was definitely more than 10 people working on that sheet. And what were you doing, Furious? What was your part in this? So my part wasn't actually the, the whole process of getting to develop the sheet. Um, I would organize some of the code. So a lot of my main role was either building security systems for them, like preventing um, command execution or something that can revolve in it being exploited. And then I would also take either legacy code and convert it into modern day code, or I would just organize the code base and make it a lot more functional and flowable, if you can put it under those terms. And this pays pretty well, I assume? Yes, uh, it does. Depending on the market, it, it will pay a lot. Um, currently, there is a market for EFT, which is uh, Escape from Tarkov. That game cheating market it, is massive. And for reference here, Escape from Tarkov is an online first-person shooter-style MMO. That's massive multiplayer online game. If you believe stat tracking sites like MMO stats, it's estimated that Escape from Tarkov has over 400,000 average daily players in 2023. I'm not really sure how accurate that data is, but if it's even half as many as that, you can see why getting your hands on game cheats in an environment like that would be valuable. And uh, last I was told uh, from one of my most frequent uh, resellers that I know personally, he said that there was uh, someone who made about 6,000 sales in a week, which brought him almost $200,000 in under that week, just from game cheats. That's all, I assume, crypto, right? They're probably doing it all relatively private. Yeah, most of the money is trafficked through crypto wallets because it's easier and it's not monitored and pretty much everyone has a crypto wallet. 
And so do you think this is something that you're going to keep doing? Like that's something that you're just keeping moving from one big game franchise to the next? Because you said you worked on Call of Duty. What else have you done? I know I think I've seen some articles where I've talked to you a little bit and you talked about doing Counter-Strike mods. What kind of, I guess, what's the vision with this? Well, it, it, it is a massive, massive field. It, it, uh, game cheating can bring you into so much things. Um, and even within the past, I guess, few years I've, I've been working with them, it's gotten uh, to the point where I've learned a lot in and out of the community. Um, there is definitely a future because the whole game hacking process teaches more than just building code and exploiting a process. It's, it's reverse engineering and it's having a deeper understanding of linear um, algebra and geometry and vector mathematics because it takes a lot to build exploits for games that are really well um, such as shooting players across the map or seeing players through walls or even um, creating overlays to draw data on players like now, a box that's there through the wall now am i right in assuming when you're talking about all these uh different types of mathematics that's being brought in here you're talking about when i see a game cheat that say will snap to the next available player right you need to calculate where that player is what the angle you need to move or what the weapon is uh, if there's anything in a way and all those variables between you and the other side as a part of a code process you need to account for everything yes there's a lot of specific algorithms um that are used in, in most higher end cheats and these usually are to grab player locations to scale through the entities, uh, what's known as a bone ID, um, to basically verify points on a model and calculate different 3D spaces and locations. And then, so you did this on Call of Duty, you did this on Counter-Strike. Anything else that's kind of high profile that you've worked on in terms of games that I might know of? I know I've known of Escape from Tarkov, but I never played that one. I have never worked with any other games, mostly other than Call of Duty and Fiesco. Uh, I did work on an Assault Cube sheet once, but I kind of didn't really fully get into it. Um, when I started out with Call of Duty, I never actually learned the whole reverse engineering process behind it because I was already given the code and you would just modify it. Um, however, it still does branch off into those different games. So, no, not really. All right. Taking it back to the group portion of this, how well did you know the other people in that were contributing to this? It Was it you were just one small piece kind of separated out from everyone, or was it a community? Was it something where you might have stand-up meetings or you might have process checks? The, the first game sheet uh, team, uh, quote-unquote, that I was on, they, they were really different because they, they were kind of spread throughout the entire world and it's something you'll see frequently that some game sheet teams will be personally tied to each other and they'll know what they're talking about and they'll have meetings and stuff but for some of the ones that i was on you would have meetings but they wouldn't be actual meetings they would just be small calls discussing future ideas for the cheat and the status of it and then it would just leave so yeah, sometimes you will know them. Most of the times it's uh, common to know that group team uh, because you don't want them just releasing source code for that game sheet online. I guess my point kind of coming into this is that this does seem like there are smaller knit communities that 
work together on these kind of things. But have you ever known anyone that's gotten in trouble with a law because of this? Not in law. Um, it, it's really hard to get in trouble legally uh, with it. There, there are a few things where games, uh, or a few cases where games have been known to game companies, have been known to sue other people for copyright infringement. This is because some sheets, um, most that act internally on the game, will use a part of the game source code that was leaked by a hacker or something. So companies will try to sue other bigger game sheet developers for a copyright on stealing their code. Um, but I personally have never known anyone to do it uh, or get legally in trouble like that. Now, Ryan's right here. It's not inherently illegal to code game cheats, but there are ways around that through the idea of things like proprietary information and the code that's being used to build the games. The bulk of the time you see consequences like banning the user or the address that they come from because what game cheat development for sure does is go against the terms of service of that game. A strike against a company for sure, but illegal? Not technically. But when you see recent news about this, you'll see that recently game companies like Bungie, the creators of Halo and Destiny, you know, those big, huge franchises, have started to try and take a more firm and legal approach to having this classified as an illegal act. Last year, Bungie sued three players who created and sold cheats for a game. Bungie would come out and say that the creations that they made were, quote, inducing and enabling individual Destiny 2 players to create an unauthorized and infringing derivative work each time they deployed the cheat software. So they're saying that they're creating illegal copies of a game and not using the original copy anymore. We'll see how this goes, but this is more and more looking like developers are trying to find their way in so that they aren't just banning users, they're doling out consequences. I do think it's interesting because I see more and more articles, you know, I posted in our Discord the other day that the, I think it was Destiny, is suing for, uh, against some of the major game cheat developers there, and I feel like it's concerning when... I hear about these this being talked about because I do think that, you know, you're inherently putting yourself in a slightly risky position by doing this. But ultimately, it does pay and it does make money. And it sounds like it's something you're good at. But I'm wondering where, if ever, does it stop for you? I don't think it really ever will stop. Um, the thing with game sheet development is that it, it, it's a constant battle between game developers and game sheet developers. Systems keep being upgraded, so you have a new job or always have a job to learn how to bypass that system. If the um, other old methods that you used were stopped and patched, or um, say a new game comes out that's really popular, then you kind of just have to go through a monthly process of exploiting it and learning more. Um, for me personally, uh, I do not think it, it will ever stop because game cheating is an amazing way to get deep into reverse engineering, uh, learn about computer memory and mathematics. In all three of those fields I'm deeply in love with. I understand the concept of it not really stopping from a, there's always going to be cheats being developed. But I mean, I'm talking about, you know, you are young, you are working on getting into the field. Do you consider yourself, as you're growing for a field, continuing to do this even while you have a full-time job? Because you're saying stuff that 
is interesting that you can do you can do reverse engineering as a career. You could reverse engineer malware. There's an entire subset of cybersecurity dedicated to that, right? But is game sheet something that you just feel passionate about? Like that you're just always going to participate in? Yeah, I really do think um, there's certain levels that I, I think I will stop, and that's going as far as reaching very specific markets, um, such as artificial intelligence-based game sheets. But for the most part, general reversing and game cheating, yeah, I do have a deep, extreme passion for it. I guess it's interesting. I, it's not something that I really thought about having as a driver for passion was the game cheat market. But it, while not, you know, condoning cheats, because I've been on the other side of it, where people have used them against me, and it can be frustrating. It is interesting to hear, you know, how the sausage gets made for this. Yes, um, and that's actually I've gotten a lot of questions uh, regarding that, like, how could I be the ones to make cheats? But uh, a lot of people don't understand that there's more than just writing code to a game sheet. It, it sometimes will take cheat developers a, a year to exploit a full-fledged game, especially if there's no prior knowledge on its anti-cheat systems and stuff like that. It takes a lot of knowledge of computer memory and, as I discussed before, mathematics and uh, design and definitely much more cybersecurity than just reverse engineering. And I guess let's kind of talk about this apart from the technology now, because you kind of brought this up just a minute ago. How do you feel ethically about it, if you don't mind me asking? Like, you are inherently, by making game cheats, making someone else's game experience slightly worse, right? Like, that is what comes with the territory. But do you think that that's justified do you think that's a how, how do you feel about that it's really really hard to pinpoint my ethics and morals on that um i typically don't let ethics and morals get to me because i see game sheet development or really any form of reversing to that extent uh even if it may destroy a system um or manipulate that system as a form of art um because game sheet development takes so much work it's forever going to be an art it's nothing different than exploit development. Um, so I guess my, my feeling towards it is pretty much mutual. I'm not using it, so I, it's not really in my state to care um, what happens outside of me selling to someone. Right, um, but in responsible exploit development, there's bug bounty programs with, with situated environments for you to do this. And as you were saying that, though, there is something that made me think maybe this would be a good idea, right? What if the game cheat development community actually worked with the gaming community and the actual game publishers and they had a bug bounty type server where you could develop game cheats against the server in a production environment separate from the user experience right and get paid bug bounties from that like that would be something interesting but i think that like the one thing that you might have missed a little bit in terms of thinking about that is that you are dealing in a production environment versus exploit development, which is often done in a controlled environment. And as more and more games are cloud only or online interaction only, it's hard to do that in a siloed environment. Yeah, um, that is definitely agreeable. Uh, games will actually, uh, from my knowledge, some game companies will hire um, specific game cheaters to come out there and exploit their game. Um, I knew a friend one time, he was pretty pretty well versed in game sheet development. He's been doing it for about eight years of his life. And he got picked up by a game company that is a new mobile game. Um, for, for 
security reasons and privacy reasons, I won't mention the game's name, but he got a contract to develop a game cheat and an exploit for that game, which actually better helps them advance the anti-cheat system and work on different things within the game. Right, because so it definitely is... Anti-cheats look for signatures the same way that IDSs and IPSs work, right? And if you have a cheat development staff guy here developing ways to try to get through it, you're really only making your anti-cheat stronger by figuring out what it can and can't detect. Yes, exactly. And some anti-cheats systems are are much more complex and do check for um, file integrity or uh, system integrity to see if anything was messed around with, especially in the process. So you're going to keep doing the cheat development. We've That's a firm establishment. It's just something you feel passionate about, right? What are you going to do? I guess, how do you want that to translate to real life? Like in terms of, you know, obviously you can't claim taxes on cheat development. That's not something that you can really do for claiming a wage, right? What are you going to do or what do you want to do with this skill set that you're developing? So I think because it is general reverse engineering, it, it's bringing a lot to my skill table in, in once. Um, currently, I'm looking at jobs to reverse engineer malware or um, mess around with different, trying to think of the word for it. I guess malware is just in general. So definitely looking into reverse engineering with malware. Okay. And I guess, you know... I'm struggling to think of how I want to phrase this next question. I got, yeah, let's just dive into it. How much money have you made doing game cheats? How, if you don't mind talking about that, what's your, it sounds like you're not in the, you're not the huge player, but you are a good part of a team for this. So I think it's pretty safe to say that you would be a, like a standard engineer for game cheats. What's that look like for you for pay? It typically depends on how much people are buying for you. Um, when I first started reselling game sheets, you'd make anywhere from 600 to $300 a week just reselling someone else's game sheet. Um, it kind of still stays the same for uh, selling the game sheet yourself. You have to push it out there like any other project that you got to, um, I guess, get out there to the public. And mainly, the most I've probably made on game sheet specifically was about three grand in a month, which isn't horrible. Uh, but the game sheet was for CSGO, and it was a pretty simple game sheet. Um, but this, of course, I was backed by resellers who were able to resell my sheet out there. And of course, I would split profit um, with those same people. Yeah, so 600, three to 600 a week, that's anywhere from. 25 to $60,000 a year just yeah. coming into your pocket. And it is a pretty, um, that that is a pretty base price. Some people don't even make money off of game cheats and some people would just release them publicly. But for those who actually have a market in a giant clientele, especially in the game cheating world, it does become um, much more fluid with, with the money that you're getting in your pocket. Is there a game that you want to work on that like you think I look at that game and I want to be a part of that community that maybe you're just not into yet definitely Valorant um, Valorant is, is one game I'm actually currently looking at it just I, I haven't actually possessed enough full-fledged knowledge especially with games like Valorant to be able to bypass the system but it's definitely a game I want to look into 
and what kind of stuff would you want to develop for it just similar like you're talking about where aimbots are coming into play or are there other cheats that you could be developing like cash flow the, the thing with like building a cheat is most of it um can go based on the game so for example when i'd be developing a cheat for csgo you just explore the game as much as possible and you try to find every single thing to add to your cheat because the more cheats and the more functionality your uh, general cheat has, especially the design is good, you're going to be making more money. And that's kind of my end goal is to just add as much as I can to it. Yeah, let's actually get down to that. Like when, in terms of when you say functionality that your cheat has, what are people looking for in their game cheats? So most people... Um, it, it kind of depends on, on the type of people you're hitting. Uh, if you're hitting people that just want to cheat for a day, then they'll just be looking for simple functionality um, like aimbot or see people through walls. But if you're looking at someone who definitely wants to ruin someone's day or multiple people's day, um, then you're looking at higher-end cheats, which are rage cheats. Um, those type of cheats have much more functionality based to them, which means they have much more options to target on a player such as the head the pelvis or the chest um and can even shoot people through walls or whatever it may be the thing with different cheats though is that uh, most games will be built the same now however they still do create uh, a bit of a hassle trying to make some cheats i know some games because of the way data is stored and manipulated throughout the game either on the server or the client side it's hard to get um, cheats like esp because it can be a bit more frustrating implementing that concept into um, something like Valorant versus something like CSGO, which renders um, entities completely differently. Got it, because the backend's completely different on some of these games. It's almost like you have to start from scratch in terms of learning. Yeah, most of the implementations and design, especially a lot of the code I've seen, mostly stays the same. The way they can bypass the system um, using deeper programs is all for the most part, the same, but cheats will definitely change in terms of scanning and, and sometimes implementation. How many times have you been banned from a game or from God. Steam? I have to imagine that the amount, what you're doing is triggering bans left and right. Yeah, so when I tested game sheets out, uh, especially for CSGO, I got, would be banned by Overwatch left and right. Uh, this was because I was doing it in real matches, which is a bit more, uh, not I guess you can say not so smart to be doing. But most of the time, um, if I wanted to use my own sheet, I would get banned the next day, mostly due to Overwatch. But typically, you don't get banned when testing some cheats. That's if you have correctly bypassed the anti-cheat system and your cheat gets injected properly and everything goes well. Um, because most bans, especially if the cheat does bypass the uh, anti-cheat system, are all Overwatch-based which means some manual reviewer has caught the fact that you were cheating in the game. But how often does it not go right? I'd say it really depends on the game. Um, I can make an a inferred opinion on that, and I'd have to say uh, probably 25% of the time. Um, that's if the, the game cheater is, again, in an online match and they're not starting games with different flags which can turn off or disable anti-cheat systems. Um, but generally speaking, I would say 25 to 45%. Have you lost an account permanently, or are you using someone else's account when you test fees? How does that work? Typically, when I test game sheets, I, I isolate my main account, and we'll start um, 
start a new account on Steam. Uh, in cases like CSGO where it's a bit not so monitored, I still do use that alt account and it does get banned again from Overwatch. Um, but in higher end games, you typically do have to switch accounts a lot more or in other cases start it on a virtual machine. I've seen some hackers, or I guess reverse engineers that I knew, said that using a virtual machine was better just due to hardware detection, but I can't really back that with evidence to my knowledge. What are you working on outside of game sheets? Or you've been talking quite a bit about that side of things, but I know you are working on a couple of big projects right now. Yeah, there, there is actually a lot of projects I do have set in stone, and one actually pertains specifically to this, uh, to uh, game cheating. So a while back, I started to design my own programming language, uh, which is called Skyline. It's supposed to be cybersecurity oriented. And one thing that I wanted to make it specifically drop to is game sheet development. Um, basically building an entire language which will automate the backend implementation of algorithms or uh, driver code or something like that on a lower level to make game sheets easier. Um, because it's an interpreted language, it, it's a bit slower than most, but it still is doing the job and I'm still trying to work on it and get it production ready by the end of this year. And so could I theoretically take that and start trying to develop the game sheets with that? Uh, yeah. Uh, once I do make it a production ready language and most of the backend does become secure enough and it's not going to buffer overflow or stack overflow or crash or something, then yeah, definitely. It definitely could be. Right now it's not looking too well just because it's, um, this language is, is still in a beta state of testing, and I still have not developed a lot of the main functionality. We're coming up on the half hour right now. Do you want to let the audience know where they can find you? Yeah, for sure. Um, so if you want to find me, I am literally called Totally Not a Hackster on Instagram. And I do have a Medium page, which is also the, the same exact name. So pretty much anywhere you can find me, um, such as YouTube or things like that, which currently I don't have videos posted up, but most of my usernames are all totally not a hacker. My GitHub is Archangel43, so it's a bit of a different name, but you should still see the alias pop up. And I'll have a couple links in our bio or in our description for the episode so that people can just go straight to that if they want to. I really yeah. appreciate you coming on to talk about game cheats and that whole side of the world that I really don't have a lot of involvement in. Of course, man. It's always an enjoyment talking about it. Even if I may not be the best at it, I'm, I'm definitely trying here. That episode was something that I wanted to talk about for a while. So thanks for coming on the show, Ryan, because I'm glad there was someone else out there to help me facilitate this conversation. If you want to find more of Ryan, you can see him on Instagram at totallynotahacksor. I've got a link to his profile in the episode description, or you can even catch him on our Discord where he's pretty active. And speaking of a Discord, if you want to hang out, you can join me and some of our fans in the show's Discord. The link to that and my socials are in the description of the episode. And, you know, lastly, with that, there is something that I wanted to talk to everyone about. You may have noticed that, hey, there's no ads in this show. That's pretty neat. That doesn't mean that the show doesn't cost money to make. So to help offset the cost, I launched a Patreon. And it's as simple as going to patreon.com slash whattheshell. There's a couple different plans, including varying levels of bonuses. Want to just support the show? Want some Discord flair in the server? Hell, maybe you even want to commission a mini episode. It's all there, but I'll let you decide if it's worth it. I get it. And so speaking of them, I do want to thank all the existing patrons for helping me create the show and keep it running. 
so thank you and i do apologize again on the pronunciation for some of these thanks adon ben m ben sweetenham chris finnick frank aponte jay john john with no h kilby christian odegaard pseudo Pefer, tyus ashworth and last but not least the user I know that's continuing to test out my patience and the limit for the characters in the username, quote, I use Pot of Greed to draw free additional cards from my deck. Thank you for supporting the show. It truly means the world to me. I'll see you all in a little bit for another episode of What the Show. <laughs>